0: Hello and welcome to episode 28 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we share insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses have started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to inspire you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today, once again, I am welcoming back the lovely Alice Benham to the show. Welcome back, Alice. Hello. I mean, thanks again for having
1: me. It's a pleasure. I didn't want the last episode to end, so it feels like a right treat to get to go to
0: number two. I'm here for it. Second episodes in a week, guys. You're in for another royal treat with this. (laughs) So if you didn't catch the last episode, Alice is a coach, podcaster, retreat host, and accidental entrepreneur. And in the last episode, we had a cracking conversation around all different topics that focused around the importance of building your business your way. So be sure to rack that one up on the playlist if you missed it. But today, Alice, I would love to know about you and your business journey and share that with the listeners because I think when you're in the early stages or considering starting a business it can feel quite daunting because you kind of feel like there's a best way of doing it when actually there really isn't so should we begin at the beginning oh, let us yeah I'm afraid to say it's not a very linear story so we might be here a
1: while to uh, to uh, take, take it along the, along the what's the word around the
0: houses? Yeah, say around that? the houses, down the garden path, wherever we fancy. Just round for a little loop and then back where we started. That's what we like with business stories. So how was it that you actually got started? Kind of what was the trigger for creating your business? So I first stepped into business
1: when I was 17. So I was not what you would associate with a school dropout, but I did drop out of school. I was halfway through my A-levels, getting pretty good grades, enjoying school, but just knew it wasn't satisfying me um I've got very high standards for my own personal fulfillment in life um I think that's a great thing to have I think I didn't have the label for it at the time people probably just thought she's stubborn and doesn't want to finish school um and I was just bored of learning I was like I am learning stuff in one room so I can go to a hall six months later and repeat it and then get a piece of paper that tells me I did a good job at remembering that information like I was good at that process but it didn't satisfy me at all and I'd had a taste when I was 15 16 17 at working. So I was excited to do more of that. Um, the logical thing would have been just to finish school for a year, but I decided against that um, and was given an opportunity, very random story, at a hotel breakfast to work one day a week freelance in event management. My work alongside school that I'd had up until that point was as an elf um, and a Christmas events manager. So my only proper job I've ever had is as an elf, which I don't think even sounds like a proper job. So I thought I wanted to go into events management. I loved organizing, which is still true in my business now. But I thought I wanted to go into that work. So when I met this guy, he worked in or he ran a big charity based in London. He said to me a couple of months later, look, like I found your story really interesting. I think you'd be a good fit for our team. Something along those lines. Do you want to work freelance for us? on events management and little 17 year old me was like yeah one day a week job freelance that sounds like something I should leave school for definitely didn't know what freelance meant so when I said yes to it and they did the whole like set yourself up on um company's house not company's house like hmrc Mm. I think I was then like oh self-employed like learning what these words mean okay good to know um so that's where the accidental entrepreneur thing came from because it was not an intentional decision I didn't sit down and decide to start a business but I said yes to this freelance opportunity it then wasn't available for a few months. So they gave me a social media management role one day a week and it all snowballed from there. So by the time that events job was available, I'd got a full set of social media management clients. Mm-hmm. They were all London based corporates and charities. So wildly different to the people that I work with now. And I kept saying, yes, I ran at that as quick as I could. I was so excited. I was making money. I was traveling, you know, nowhere exciting. I was in like the Peterborough um, Premier in, but that was thrilling to a 17-year-old who'd been in school their whole life. Um, and yeah, I just kept running, working, saying yes, not physically running, you know what I mean by that. Yeah. Um, and then it all reached a bit of a burnout point, as I think a lot of people's business stories do. I was not running the right business for me. I was not working with clients who were the right fit for me. I was incredibly isolated. I was working way too many hours. I just wasn't really being intentional because this thing had snowballed out of my control. I was just excited by it. Everyone was clapping me because they were saying, this looks great. Like, wow, like you built a business. Well done. And I think I'd really had a chance to stop and really think about what I wanted. So I ended up burning out because of pure, I think, just kind of exhaustion, mental health issues. So then was diagnosed with depression um, and took about eight months off and fully stopped that business. So that was like business number one. I try not to say that I've had a business for five years because I see that business is so different to the one that I have now. And I almost don't even see it as a business because it was more of a thrown in the deep end, see if you can swim and drown after nine months situation. Um, But yeah, that was my first experience in the world of work from
0: school. Oh, I love that though. I love the fact that it's something that you were just, yeah, let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. And then finding your way through it. And like whether it, whether you want to class it as a success or not, I mean, there's huge lessons and huge things that you would have taken away from it. I know that the journey of being a business owner or an entrepreneur, however you want to define yourself and the journey that you take From a mental health and growth approach are very intrinsically linked. Like I Mm. don't know a business owner who hasn't had some form of either been spared to try having their own business to facilitate the fact that their mental health wasn't necessarily thriving in the corporate world or whatever it was that they had beforehand. But also, yeah, that growth is just super fast. So I can't imagine being that young and having that amount of responsibility that is all on you. So I think even yes. brackets, like <laughs> suddenly go, you know what, having the mental capacity to turn around and say, yeah, you know what, I need time is mm. just as admirable as knowing that you've started your business at 17.
1: Looking back, I kind of blocked out that whole period. Um, <laughs> it was a lot. I was, I think, at this quite constant level of stress, but I was just so excited. Mm. You know, I don't regret anything. Like you said, it was such a learning curve. I wouldn't be where I am without that story having been part of or without that having been part of my story I should say um and I was loving it at the time I wasn't you know I was depressed and I didn't realize it but I didn't feel depressed if that makes sense so I wasn't hating it I wasn't dreading it I was just very excited Mm. and I was on this roller coaster I was running on this treadmill I kept being given little rewards um and then I think i You know, that just motivates you. And I was that person, you know, in a meeting, Googling under the table what people were talking about. I remember when people first said like SEO, KPI, I was like, yes, I can do that straight after I Google it and actually figure out what that is. But sure thing. Um, so I think it taught me a lot about that idea of faking it till you make it not in a way that's irresponsible. I think that's really important to say, but in a way where you just trust that you're capable and you're willing to do whatever you need to do to be capable. I think it taught me the power of that, you know, age 17 and in, in a room with, very middle-aged white men realizing that I could stand my ground and I had value to bring, I think was the best kind of training ground to then ultimately after that burnout launch a business that did work better. Um, And I think especially that experience of burnout taught me so much because now I'm super conscious of it where every time I have the warning signs, which my body gives me of, hey, we're, we're a little bit tired right now. We're a bit worn out. I listen to them. Whereas then I didn't know that there were warning signs. I think I just thought, well, that's that's what it's like to run a business. You feel tired. You don't sleep. You're stressed. You're, you know, your weight is fluctuating. You're whatever, whatever. I just thought that was part of the process. Whereas now that I've burned out, I'm way more sensitive to the warning signs of burnout. And now it's something that I'm really careful not to get anywhere near. So it was such a valuable experience. I wouldn't wish to
0: repeat it, but yeah. Definitely wouldn't be where I am without it. So part of the story. I'm really curious if you'd be happy to share like the warning signs that you had when you were first going through it that you didn't necessarily recognize them as warning signs. Did you speak to other people to say, hey, I'm feeling like this? And were you kind of reassured because you said that you had been given like the rewards and you were getting the accolades of being a business owner when you were so young? Did you kind of feel like you were not intentionally being encouraged to continue past that point? But was it a case of kind of like, yeah, you'll be OK. This is just how it goes.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's twofold. I think firstly, because I was working a lot with corporates in London, the the standards for how much you're meant to sacrifice personally for work is a lot higher you know now when i work with small business owners there's always a conversation there about burnout and looking after yourself that just wasn't the case so it was never a conversation that i heard being had and i wasn't telling anyone that i felt this way because i just thought it was the way it was meant to be a huge thing for me when i was burnt out was that for the first few months i thought i'm never going to run a business again that was awful because i then made this connection of running a business equals feeling these feelings and being this burnt out and basically ruining yourself personally at the expense of your business. And I just thought that was the way it should happen. I do think being so isolated was the biggest reason that I did burn out because if I'd have met some people who were my age and who could say to me like, Hey, Let's talk about what your business is doing to you and let's help you to recognize what those warning signs are. I don't think it would have been avoided because I'm very stubborn and I like to run into brick walls to learn that they're there. Um, But I do think it would have been probably less, less dramatic and less have a less significant impact on me. Because I just didn't, I didn't know that it was abnormal. And my parents, from what they could see, thought it was going great. My friends thought it was going great. Because, as well, I'm very good at showing the shiny stuff. It seems weird to say now because I'm now so open with my challenges and the things that go wrong. But at that time, I think I was just like, I need to prove everyone wrong who told me that I shouldn't leave school. So I am not going to tell you that I am stressed and upset and burnt out and missing my friends and wishing that I had more free time. I'm going to tell you that I'm making this much money got this many clients doing these exciting things so lots of factors I think together um but yeah definitely interesting to think back of like what would have cut through that noise um and I think that community is why I'm now so passionate about it would have would have made a huge difference because I did think I was the only one I was like oh no other 17 year olds run businesses and obviously now I'm like well every other 17
0: year old has a business so you weren't that special but yeah at the time I was just so isolated I didn't know it It sucks that that isolation creeps in. And I think that it's something that whatever business stage you're at, it can, it's something to acknowledge if you are feeling isolated and lonely, like there are so many communities out there now, whether it's Mm. online, in person, whatever it is, finding that support network, which again is something that I feel like comes up at every conversation that we have whenever it's small business owners together, they do tend to talk about that sense of community and having that support. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, I think isolation really can be like, it can make things so much feel so much bigger than they are because you feel like you're the only one.
1: Yeah, it amplifies everything, doesn't it? Because you don't get any help, you don't get any outside opinions. And then most problems, if they don't get solved, they just get worse and worse. And that was definitely the case for me. And it did get to the point where I had to stop. It wasn't a choice. I didn't step back and go, do you know what? I think I need a break. I was just so broken that my body was like, I'm going to do this for you because you're obviously not seeing any of the warning signs we're trying to give you. Um, And then it was a good six to eight month period of you know, working through that burnout, healing in terms of my mental health, I still have depression, but it's managed now. And that was something I explored in that burnout period. And really just kind of getting back to a place where I did want to step into business. Like I said, for the first few months of that burnout, which was, I think, January 2017 to like September of that year, I was I'm never running a business again. This is not for me. I, I didn't know what I did want to do. But I didn't think that was it. And then as I kind of, healed and got healthy again, mentally and physically, I was then like, okay, I do want to run a business because I loved some elements. I loved the excitement. I loved the challenge. I loved the control. I loved the autonomy, but I didn't love a lot of elements. I didn't like social media management. I didn't like the corporate clients. I didn't like feeling like I had 25 bosses. So it was then a conversation of how do we start another business that works a lot better for me, knowing what I know now. And then that was then that was when, sorry, this business that you see now was initially born. Still, looks very different to how it does now. But yeah, that kind of end of 2017 feels like the start of, of, yeah, the business I get the privilege of running now. So I'm grateful, 100%. I never would have landed on this if I hadn't have gone through that.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the thing though, isn't it? You have to kind of work through, like every experience that we have will, will help form us to the person that we are. So whether it's positive, negative, in between, or kind of not really sure. And it's a combination of the two. It Mm. is something that can help to facilitate the way that we then approach situations in the future, because, you know, we are the sum of our experiences that that's what makes us individual. So yeah. And when it came to deciding to start a secondary business or a second business, going back through the way that you started your first business, the successes and the hardships that you had, Did you actively use those and pick those apart to define how you wanted your second business to go? Or were you just kind of like, no, I'm just going to ignore everything that happened and start again?
1: Yeah, I definitely wanted to learn from that experience because it wasn't all bad. And I think that for me was what that burnout was helping me to realize. I think as humans, we love the idea of going, this is all good and this is all bad. We love that label. But the more that I reflected on it and kind of healed and the more I had hindsight, the more I could see, hey, like there was a lot of good in that, but there was a lot of bad as well. So yeah, definitely the the kind of planning of this business came from that. But I, I think it's a balance, isn't it? It's knowing... It's trying to gather all the information you can, but it's also knowing that you're never going to get to a point where you know enough and you at some point just have to take action. Mm-hmm. So I think I spent a good few weeks just thinking and going, okay, instead of social media management, I, you know, I love social media, but I want to look at the bigger picture. So let's do digital marketing. That was one thing I did. Then I went, okay, I did not like working with the white men in suits. Okay, I'd love to work with small business owners. Because also over that burnout period, I'd begun to find these communities and almost see what was possible. So it was by seeing what was possible and realizing that that matched up with what I knew I was wanting because of what I experienced that I didn't want. I do think that's a really helpful indicator to know what you want, just know what you don't want. Um, And then at that point I landed on digital marketing consultant. So still different to what my business then evolved to be with digital marketing coach and now more of a digital marketing and business coach. Um, But yeah, that was kind of the first iteration. And I think it was giving myself a bit of time to reflect and then just realizing, right, at some point, I'm going to have to take action. And again, it was another learning curve because then I realized, all right, I don't want to be a consultant. I still don't want to work with companies of that medium size. So let's go down even further. Let's call myself a coach. Let's work just with solo business owners, entrepreneurs. um, And that again, just probably just took a few months for me to learn that. So I'm a big believer in learning through action. Um, Not always the most comfortable way to do things, but I think the best way to learn is by doing.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And again, it comes back to that whole, when you're the sum of your experiences, if you don't take that action, you can't have that experience in order to build what Mm. it is, that's going to influence your next step. Because I love hearing you speak about your business and the way that it's changed and developed and evolved so many times. Um, and the transparency that you have online, it really does just kind of open it up to that self-acceptance level where it's like, it's okay to try something, see if it works and then move Yeah. Depending on how you want it to go from there.
1: Mm, and I think I did find that easier being a bit younger. You know, I had the privilege of living at home. I didn't have anyone financially dependent on me. I didn't have personal, you know, bills myself. So I think it was quite It was easier for me to have that attitude of like, you know what, we're just going to have a go and see what happens. Uh, I appreciate it's not as easy for everyone's situation to have that attitude. But yeah, I think that's really helped me to build the business that I have now because I would have never sat down and planned out my current business. But my current business is a privilege to run and I love it and it's such a joy. It only got to this point because I started off with plan number one and this is plan number 28 or probably probably more than that, let's be
0: honest. It's so funny the way that business has changed and evolved though, because this is something that we touched on the last episode as well. It's just, you can sit there with the best will and intention in the world of going, hey, this is what my business is going to look like in four or five years time. But actually, I mean, one, the world just has its ways of throwing new things at you. But then your personal circumstances change and then your life circumstances and then your dreams and your plans. And the more that you realize is possible, like you said, when you realize the possibility of having a community to kind of combat that isolation you were feeling, like you almost fundamentally change, your your dreams kind of get bigger because you were aware of more possibility. Does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's that thing of you can't
1: be what you can't see. And the more that you see modeled, The more that your brain goes, oh my gosh, like there is so much possible here. Now, I do think that's a balance of not seeing. I definitely in the early days made the mistake of seeing other people's businesses and go, okay, I'm going to run that business. I'm going to follow their pricing model. I'm going to do their packages. I'm going to create content in their tone of voice. And that didn't work for me because, hello. It didn't work for me because it was their approach, not my approach. So yeah, I think it's seeing other people's businesses and success is that inspiration, proof that it's possible is how Lucy Sheridan puts it. And then thinking, okay, well, what does that look like for me? And being open to not knowing what that looks like, I think is really important. I have a really set and you know clear business and brand and strategy now. I didn't in the early days and I don't wish that I did because I was just going okay here's maybe the next step let's have a go let's see what we learn um, and I think those early
0: days I kind of miss them
1: it was good fun I liked it
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that that exploratory phase I think I do feel like our businesses have phases and seasons and that exploratory phase when you're trying something new is terrifying and wonderful and like just changes so much of your perspective and your view of your own business it's just it's such a fun time but it can feel can feel a little bit scary
1: (laughs) yeah it's good it's challenges don't get me wrong like I made very little money for a good few years and that was a challenge and I don't wish to go back to that Mm. but yeah I think Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So for me, saying yes to a business now that is more established, I kind of miss the freedom that I had in the early days. You know, no one was watching, no one cared what I did. Not that people really care now, but there's a certain standard to try and keep up for, for my sake and for the business's sake. Um, and I think I do miss in the early days to just do whatever I wanted, like no one cared. <laughs> no was looking at anything you could just have a lot of fun um, and you can obviously still do that with an established business but it's a little bit more to lose i think
0: with that risk taking yeah i feel like it's like you can still do what you want but it's more important to have a little bit of that strategic touch to it rather than just, yes. just doing whatever you want without that strategy kind of in mind
1: yes yeah because the higher the is the idea of like it's windier at the top you know as your business gets more established i still have fears but the fears that i had in the early days were what If this doesn't work, well, my fear now is what if I can't sustain this, or what if I can't take it to the next level? So I think I've definitely learned over the years. Don't expect that the fears and insecurities go away, but do it like they're going to change. They're not going to be about the same things. It's not going to be you know how do I pay rent this month. It's now going to be should I bring on another team member or can I afford to pay this new expense or what should my new income stream be? Um, you definitely in my experience, don't get to a point where those feelings go. But yeah, they do kind of change shape, which depending on what you enjoy is a good or a bad thing. I think there's always pros and cons, isn't there?
0: I think that's just part of being a business owner, isn't it? You can't expect it to stay the same because if you want your business to stay the same and never change, then like your, your audience are going to change even if, even if you don't. So mm,
1: And that'll be boring as well.
0: Yeah, I just, you know, go back to corporate. That's Everything stays the same there wherever you are. <laughs> go and enjoy that life if that's what you fancy. No judgment, but yeah, running no, a business. No judgment at all I mean I know that constant change (laughs) so when it comes to we've covered quite a few of the hardships that potentially and the challenges that you've come across along the way of building your business but were there any successes that really took you by surprise that have kind of shaped how your business has formed
1: that's a great question probably a couple really stand out I think the first would be bringing on my first team member so I brought on my first team member, Emily, in, so I always have so mad of time. started the business that I have now, September 2017, and then in the spring of 2019, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I brought on Emily, and she came on board on a freelance part-time basis to support me with podcast production and admin, and that was something where I didn't expect it was going to be the right move for me because I really couldn't afford it in my business it was not a logical move I wasn't I didn't need to but I wasn't really paying myself but I just had this feeling like there's a bottleneck here in terms of my time I really want to level up this business it's not fulfilling everything I want it to I think I need someone on board to help me with this and that was something where I don't think again I think like leaving school I didn't properly process the risk that's kind of how I do it I just don't really think about what's actually going to go wrong and then it's seems to be okay. I should say when I'm doing it with money and big life things, I do. I'm not you know, chaotic. But that was something that brought back time and income to the business way quicker and way bigger than I ever thought it would. I don't think I really expected it to have that much of an impact, but the amount that it then released me to create more content, reach more people, coach more, so then make more money, have more impact, you know, that was a real, a real exponential growth, I think from that moment. And then I would say the other one, which just blew my mind was this time last year, my business was just coaching. So it's crazy to say, cause now it's like 28 different things. Um, it was just coaching and I did a retreat as well, but I only hosted that once. So it wasn't like an established part of the business. And I launched my first ever group program, December, literally of last year. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't expecting it to go well. I think I thought like, yeah, like my coaching's fully booked. So maybe people want a group program. Like I don't want to do courses. I seem to have this weird vendetta against courses, which I've gotten over this year. I came up with this idea of a group program at the time. It was called the six week thing. And then I launched that and it sold out like 50 spaces, I think in like four days. And I remember just going, oh, like it worked. And I think for me, that was such a, you know, now when I have successful launches, I'm planning for it and expecting it. So the kind of euphoria isn't there because it's a planned win rather than an unexpected one. Whereas that was a real unexpected win where I just had no clue that people wanted it. And to have that response. To my first ever thing that wasn't coaching was I think everything that I needed to kind of have the permission slip to do more of it um so yeah that was definitely definitely a big one and then it's crazy that like 2019 yeah I brought a on one team member in one program and in 2020 it's like great so like eight more programs like two more team members <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> um, but I think the first time you do anything it feels you know those two things feel more challenging than every launch and new team member I've had this year because it was the first time and yeah I'm just so glad that they worked out I don't know what I would have done if
0: they didn't. Oh, I'm sure you would have just done something else until it worked out. That's what I do. I just,
1: yeah, to be fair, pre, it's worth mentioning, pre that group program that sold out, I launched an online shop in like the May or June of that year, thinking that it was going to do what the group program was going to do. So for me, that was about, you know, being able to scale my impact, work in a more semi-passive way, you know, that classic, like semi-passive income, that was the way I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. But you flopped. People didn't buy a single thing. No one liked it. It was crap. It was awful. I hated it myself. So of course no one else liked it. Um and I had to fail at trying to bridge that gap or fill that gap. And then I could succeed at doing it through that other option. So that's a good example to bring in of don't trust that what you
0: see is the first attempt. It very rarely is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I think that that's becoming more and more common now. That story seems to be being shared by more and more people and more and more influences, both in the small business world, but also have you seen the video by um, Joe Wicks where he shares his overnight 10 year success? Yes, That was just brilliant. And I think that it's important to remember that what we as business owners choose to put out tends to be either the hardships when we need support, if you're in that vulnerable space and you're feeling compelled to share, or it's the successes when things have gone well. It's very rare that it's the day to day of, you know, you tend to get like the best average rather than the peaks and the troughs. Mm, I think that's why it's so important to share vulnerably, because I always think of my past self. And I think, well, if she
1: saw the shininess of my current business, she'd probably feel, although she'd be inspired by it, she'd probably also feel a bit crap because she'd think, well, I can't do that. Or how do I get there? So for me, that's why that constant transparency around, you know, how I've got here, the failures that have helped me to get here, the risks, the privilege, you know, all those building blocks that play a role in someone's success. I think it's so important to share that responsibly because yeah, then that helps other people to aspire to it in a healthy way. Um, I could talk all day about the people that tell you they've done a 25k launch and don't tell you that it was five bricks. Pays worth of Facebook ads involved in that. Um, I think that transparency is so needed to help people both at the start and as they're scaling to know what's realistic. Cause I think that comparison, yeah, it can be an absolute, absolute killer, which is why it's great that you're creating a platform like this where these stories are are
0: told. Well, I think that this is this is the thing though. I mean, for me, it was I when I started my business, I had no concept on what that should look like, what it could look like. And all I had to go on were the views and the opinions and the stories that other people were sharing and being new to business all I saw were the bigger names so it was really hard to find business owners at the level that I was at that weren't like I wanted to take it seriously but I didn't know how Mm. and trying to hear stories from other people that were open and honest and actually spoke about successes and the like the journey along the way like I find journey a bit of a weird work but it's the one that works you know it yeah. serves a purpose guys but hearing all of these different stories so every week we have a different brand story from a different entrepreneur and every time they're different and every time the way that they've chosen to start their business has been different and like you it's like if past Tammy could listen to something like this and know that actually the way that you want to do it is fine but mm. And whatever that might look like, it's just that acceptance that your, your path to business success will look different to someone else's and that's okay. Yes. And the people whose stories you look up to and go, oh my gosh, you have the best story ever. I
1: promise you, because I've had these experiences where I've thought that, and then I've met the person. No one feels that way about their own business and their own story. It, you know, grass is always greener. And I think we always have to remind ourselves that even when someone is sharing transparently, there's always so much more than what we can see. You know, I've had times in my business where sharing transparently actually doesn't look like telling people that my personal life is a total, you know, shit show right now, or explaining the fact that something really wrong has just happened in the business. I think we have to take everything with that pinch of salt and remember like, okay, there's always stuff going on that you don't see. And I think that's again, why those business friends and business community is so valuable. Because people might not share publicly those things, but if you have friends where they tell you what's going on and you get to see their struggles and their wins and that resonates with you, that's such a valuable part of the process. And yeah, one of the things I don't miss about the early days is that I didn't really know anyone, you know, now my closest friends are business owners. So the second I'm having a wobble, you've got that kind of instant reminder that you're not alone. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? You know, there's no roadmap to success takes a lot of mental grit I think to know that your roadmap is the right one for you um and yeah I totally
0: agree with you yeah I think it's just you just pave it as you go don't you I mean there's Mm. not really much else that you can do I wish I could have a roadmap to success like I would I would share it far
1: and wide but uh I do not and anyone who says they do is likely being irresponsible and not sharing something actually bad
0: yeah I think the one thing before we move on to the next part of this would be just remember that that one person sharing their story for 10 minutes of the last year like they lived that whole year there are gonna be things that are missed out like yeah has to be you can't expect to understand all the nuances of what happened (laughs) like
1: maybe like I've summed up 2017 to 2020 in like two different stories and I was like okay there's like Three years of things going on there. Yeah. Some
0: right. Probably- Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. just listeners, if you're feeling a little bit alone at the moment, have a look for that community, find those business friends, find that support, and just listen to other people's stories to whether it inspired you, influences you, whatever just understand that there are so many different ways to do it. And that's completely fine. Agreed. Perfect. So I would love to move on to a little bit around your brand and your business as a brand. So as a coach, originally, I would say you were definitely a personal brand. Do you still consider yourself a personal brand with your team members?
1: Interesting, because it does conflict for me a bit where I am. It is such a personal brand. I don't see it ever... Not being one, uh, both because I don't really know how to create a business brand. So I need to figure <laughs> that one out. Um, and also because I know that what people are buying into is me. And it takes, a—I think it takes work getting used to that as a business owner. But at the end of the day, it, it is what it is. Um, and I know that if I were to ever try and scale away from that, I'd be making it very challenging for myself. So instead of doing that, you know, I'm, I'm not hiring additional coaches, I'm not getting other people in to replicate what I do. I'm just having to get creative with product ranges with group programs with really scalable offerings. So that as the business scales, the personal brand can stay with it. But yeah, with the team, it is an interesting one, because I'm so I'm so transparent to the point where I want to share my team. And I think it's, it's twofold for me. Number one, because I want my team to feel a part of things. I couldn't think of anything worse than for them to be creating, you know, for example, Emily, for her to put hours every single week into my podcast and me to never publicly acknowledge the role that she plays to me is really wrong because for Emily, then that doesn't create a sense of pride. She doesn't feel like she's been recognized. And then it's also for my audience You know, I don't want people to look at my business and think, well, why can't I do weekly podcast episodes, emails, reels, and YouTube videos? then they go oh you have someone edits your podcast someone edits your youtube videos and you batch create that because you can work whenever you want because you work full-time right I think that context is really valuable um so I think for me it's just doing it in a way that doesn't make them the brand so it's always me hosting them you know they don't create their own content maybe they would in the future but for now it's me having a conversation with Emily on the podcast or featuring Langer in my Instagram stories it's not them speaking as me ever you know, even anything you see, it's all me. I write every word. I write show notes. I write emails. I don't ever let people write for me because that for me is a really important thing to keep that personal brand in. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an ongoing challenge to be honest. I think scaling a personal brand is a, a job that is hard. I am learning that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can see that. I really appreciate your insights though, because it is something that I find fascinating to hear because it is, do you then incorporate your team as part of the brand or do you make sure that they have their own identities but the brand still has its own identity does the brand mm-hmm. then become its own thing so it's no longer actually you but kind of a culmination of everything so yeah it's really interesting sorry
1: you did say you did say the cats were getting involved
0: I just jumped up for uh, <laughs> uh
1: afternoon head of. <laughs> it is
0: it's kind of creating it as like
1: yes yeah, it's, it's not creating a business brand but it is bringing some more voices and faces into it which I think is a positive thing yeah you know, a business is very limited if it's just my brain fueling it, but with a lot of brains, especially ones that are bringing in diverse and different perspectives, that for me is a business that's so much stronger. Um, and yeah, Alice, like I'm technically the CEO of Alice Benham Limited or the founder of Alice Benham Limited, but yeah, it doesn't feel like a company.
0: It still feels like me. <laughs> that's good though. I think that's... would be very weird. it's got your name attached to it. Like that must be... Like uh, mine's a personal brand, but mine doesn't have my name as the brand, so... Mm. Yeah. Oh, Tammy, I'm just
1: not Perfect. creative enough. It's, it's nothing more than that. I just, I, I'm not creative enough and I'm very, um, I love a phase. So I'll pick a name and then I'm sure within six months I would hate it. So we're just sticking with the name that won't change. Alice Benham. If anyone out there has the last name Benham and wants to marry me, so I never have to change my last name,
0: I will really consider that because. You don't have do. to change your name, dude. You can keep your name the same.
1: Well, I do quite like the idea of having this. I just need someone that will take my name. That's that's the thing. We need a very forward thinking, feminist man who is okay being a Benham. That's what we need. So, we're links
0: doing. are in the show notes, guys.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> Ask Tammy, she'll set us up. No, please don't. I'm very content. <laughs>
0: So when it comes to your brand itself, so we covered quite a bit around the strategy and the values in the last episode, so I won't recover that. But when it comes to your visual identity for your business, like for you, it's a very distinct, very strong visual identity, which I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, was something that you developed. And then recently you've worked with a designer, but you've still kept kind of the core of that. Quite true. So could you talk a little bit about kind of your, like your thinking behind the visual identity for Alice and Limited? Yes.
1: Um, it was kind of this process where it was just the way it was. And then I had to make sure that it was strategic. So I didn't sit down one day and decide, Hey, it's going to be monochrome because monochrome, you know, represents my values and my brand around being direct having an impact keeping things clear not putting fluff in you know that's a connection that I've had to make down the line Mm -hmm. because I've just always loved monochrome my whole wardrobe my whole house everything I own the only colorful things I own are books and I'm looking at them and they still make me feel a bit upset so it was a a kind of no-brainer for me that it was going to be this quite monochrome brand Mm -hmm. um that probably isn't the best thing in the world I feel like I've maybe should have come more from like what's gonna be good for my audience. I think I just hit kind of gold that it does also resonate with people and people like it as well. So yeah, it was a really natural part at the start. It wasn't very intentional at all. And then it definitely became something where I had to start thinking, all right, like every area of the business is getting strategic. We can't just let this thing be a thing and it impacts so much just because I want it there. You know, the more this business scales, the less my opinion matters and the more what's actually going to be good matters. So I kind of needed to come up with a reason for the monochrome and that was when I was thinking okay well you know I'm big on no fluff being direct keeping things really honest simple straightforward so it kind of lines up with that and I think also just realizing how distinctive it's made things you know, it's easy for me to maintain this brand because it is just me as a person. I am, I, I look and wear these colors. Um, and I think then that's helped because everything I do, you know, I speak on a panel, I do a video anywhere in my house, and it's all affirming the same brand identity, which I think just helps build that relationship for people. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't have an official brand until July of this year. So two and a half years, I know that's probably like sacrilege to say with <laughs> someone who does branding um but it just wasn't the first priority for me I think I knew like I can survive with my own like creative direction for a while and then it got to the point where I was like right this business is too established not to have like we didn't have a logo there was no any there was no brand marks there was nothing that I could do other than say monochrome which is not great brand guidelines (laughs) um to help pull things together so then it was working with a branding designer and going okay like here's my vision I had a very clear vision because I'd kind of already built the brand myself, but it was then so valuable to have all of those elements and that kind of consistent brand guideline in place. And so then, yeah, now it's a lot easier to implement. So very accidental, like everything I've done, but now intentional. I think that's my journey
0: with everything. Accidental, accidental, accidental. <laughs> I think that that yes. works well though and I think that you know you're so passionate and you speak so clearly about your values and I think that you're very I mean you might say it's stubborn but I see it as very like knowing yourself you have a very strong sense of self so I feel like that monochrome has kind of pulled through like mm. on a subconscious level because actually that does represent you Yeah, that's how it's just kind of developed, and then it just fits in because your business represents you. So, yes, exactly that.
1: I don't think it's a total accident that it was easy to figure Mm -hmm. out how it was strategic for the business because, exactly like you said, like I, as a person, am very similar in my personal life as I am in business, so because I really value you know, simplicity and efficiency in my personal life, that's why I wear black t-shirts every day. It was then really easy for that to also make sense for the business. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about people running businesses that actually they're passionate about. Cause in my experience, like I couldn't imagine, like imagine if my business was trying to be all like warm and fun and energetic and like colorful, like be so much work to try and keep affirming that like why not just make life easy for yourself and and create a brand that is you and then everything is quite natural
0: as a result absolutely it all goes back around to that build what feels right for you because Mm -hmm. that's just going to make everything easier in the long run for yourself like this can be hard enough like don't don't get in your own way with that
1: (laughs) yeah like get rid of all the shoulds get rid of all of the like this is how it should be done just do whatever
0: you want like it's gonna be so much better for everyone absolutely so my last kind of question around Around your branding and your marketing would be is there like a favorite or most effective marketing method that you've used for your mm, business That is a great question. I would say documenting the way
1: I help people rather than telling people how I help people. Mm. So I very rarely say I can't remember the last time you know I've not ever really done a grid post or a set of stories that's like, as a coach or on this group program I can teach you how to blah 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 and I will help you to have this impact or you know my coaching is for these kind of business owners I have this real mantra of like show don't tell because I think people find that so much more engaging and I don't want to listen to a sales pitch but if you get creative and show me a sales pitch I will find that a little bit interesting so examples of that like when I'm coaching I'll always be documenting my coaching calls so going and obviously this is quite suited to like Instagram stories you know here's what speaking to each of my clients about. And that's not only interesting to my audience, but it also allows them to self-identify and go, oh, that's the thing that I need help with. Or, hey, look at this win that my client has had. Yes, that's exciting to my audience, but it also helps them to put themselves in my client's shoes and go, oh, they look like my business. Maybe I could be coached by Alice. And the same with the group programs. I document everything that's going on Because people want to have stories. People love a story. So if you can turn your kind of sales pitch into a constant story and just keep documenting how you help people in your services, your audience is going to get really familiar with what you do. Um, I think that's the biggest thing I see people not doing. It's like, oh, I'm not selling anything. I'm like, well, have you told what you sound? It's like, well, I mentioned it in an Instagram story two weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, there's a problem. Like if they, they don't know, they can't buy. And I think with that repetition, I have found that showing and storytelling makes it so easy to be repetitive, but in a way that feels engaging to my audience. So yeah, I think if you're service-based, that would be my biggest tip.
0: I think that that's really, really, powerful because it's that aspirational marketing it's making people helping people find the not even find the solution but but help people identify the fact that that is something that you could help them with when they may also going back to the beginning because I love a circular conversation when they may feel isolated and they may feel like they're the only people who feel like that by you sharing stories of other examples which is Again, like this podcast, like you've said, within the way that you do your stories, it kind of helps people realize that they're not alone. There is a solution out there and maybe even identify that what they thought was an issue isn't the issue. It's something else that they could actually get designated and support with.
1: Mm, Yeah, it's about putting people in the shoes of your clients and the different ways that you can do that and help that to happen. Yeah, the more that you're going to sell what you do. I've never bought something because someone put up this kind of very dry, here is what it is and here is who it's for. And that's never engaged for me. What I engage with is people showing me, hey, there's, know this is how it works this is what goes into it this is my setup when I'm doing it this is the impact it's going to have on you these are the problems it's going to help you to solve you know that's what people actually want to hear and granted we do have to get creative a little bit more with that it's easier just to put up those sales pictures but in my experience so much more engaging and feels better as well Mm because it means that I'm selling without selling you know it sounds cliche but I kind of don't feel
0: like I ever have to sell what I do because I'm selling it but in a way that doesn't feel that way to my audience and again it's that whole selling in a way that feels right to you because you're building a business that feels right to you
1: yeah and what's right for me isn't necessarily what's right for someone else um and yeah just different for everyone but I think again just explore you know I've tried a lot of different methods of selling my coaching um and now after three years I've found a way that works for me and I don't expect it to be perfect from day one i let it let it evolve just as I'm sure we've touched on with every topic let it evolve
0: that's the the phrase of the day so I was going to ask you what your key piece of advice from your business journey would be so other than let it evolve what would be the one thing that you would love to share with the listeners
1: oh I'm trying to think like the one I shared in the other episodes, like one of my faves. I'm trying to think what the next one is. Okay. I would say, and this is maybe a bit more for people that are basically unless, actually, this is for everyone at every stage. I take that rambling back, Um, which is value working on your business and always keep your future self in mind. It is what I see so many business owners falling short on. And I understand why we're so in love with running our businesses. We love the Delivering of services, we love creating the products, so we don't often take our head above water and actually connect back to that long-term vision, set goals, think about where we're going next but that is what's going to grow your business. Like you sustain your business by working in it. Of course, that's so important, but you grow it by working on it. And growing doesn't have to mean making more money, making more sales, you know, that very typical growth. Growing is just about getting your business closer to your why. And it can always be closer to your why. So it can always grow. So I would say value that have a week in your year where you're spending time working on the business. You know, have a couple of hours in your day or a day a week where you're doing the work on, you're working on your foundations and your processes, your systems, your plans, your long-term vision. Um, and yeah, don't undervalue that because it never feels urgent. Never, never, never. It's never going to be the, the pressing thing on your to-do list. It's never going to be at the top of your emails because no one else needs you to do it. And that's the difference with when working on. It's for you. So I find thinking about for the you of tomorrow is so valuable. Because when I think about future Alice and her happiness and her success, I'm like, okay, I'll do it for her. Like, it's not going to impact me now because it doesn't make a difference right now because long-term work, sorry, working on is a long-term thing. But when I think about my future self, then I'm like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to
0: do this work for her. That's a wonderful way of thinking about it. And I think that it feels almost more tangible because you can picture the person specifically that is going to benefit from
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can then, the more you do that, the more you appreciate your past self. So when things come to life in my business, so like this product range that's just launched, I'm like, ah. Oh. Thanks past Alice for doing the working on to recognize that you wanted to launch a product range and do all the prep to make it happen. Really appreciate that. And now I've got the evidence in my head that when I work on, it gives future me a good thing. So now it's way easier to prioritize it because I've realized and had the evidence back that it's positive positive. and don't, yeah, just, I think, make the time for it. it. I see it all the time. It is so hard to make time
0: for it. And I'm the same in my business, but yeah, if you if you want to grow, you've got to work on. So put time in schedule. Brilliant. I think that that is the perfect way to round off this episode. That was fantastic. Thank you for sharing your story and your insights with us today. I've loved these episodes. Like I've not done, I don't think I've done a podcast recording in a good couple of months. So I feel like these
1: two have just like itched that scratch in the most incredible way because it's been such, such a good conversation. Like, thank you for hosting me. I I just really appreciate it. Anytime. You're always (laughs) welcome back. We'll come back for the many topics that we scratched (laughs) on and and need to fully get into, don't you worry? (laughs)
0: Absolutely, So where can the listeners find more about you online? So my
1: main hangout is on Instagram. So I'm at Alice underscore Benham. If you want to see that show, not tell in action and realize that all my content is selling without it looking that way. I quite like to show people how strategic it really is. And then I've also got a podcast starting the conversation um, all about talking about the reality of running a business. So if the honesty in this episode has resonated, go and have a listen to that because yeah, trying to tell people how it really is. And like we touched on in this
0: episode, just think about what my partner ourselves would have needed to listen to brilliant that's fantastic thank you so much and all of the links will be in the show notes so yeah thank you once again for joining me today that was wonderful oh it's been a joy thank you perfect so listeners if you do want to find out more about Alice all the links are in the show notes you can find her on Instagram and definitely make sure to check out her podcast and next week I'll be joined by Sky Ferguson where we'll be talking about how to start a PR strategy as a small business so be sure to subscribe to this podcast because you definitely don't want to miss that episode. And until next time, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one and how things are going for your business in this early stage of 2021. So head on over to our Instagram or Facebook community where we can continue the conversation in the brand.